No watching from the side Said that you got him next Well go ahead and show him why No limits in the sky What's up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up Next The podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports uh, We're going to be talking We're going to get deep with, with basketball and player development And uh, you know what what kids should be doing to get to the, to, to get to the upper levels of basketball uh, But first of course I'm Jamal Murphy and I got my co-host extraordinaire, Khalid Green, in the house. What's up, man? Peace, man. Happy to be here. Um, happy Juneteenth. And um, let's get this conversation rolling, man. You know, I'm no excited. Doubt. No doubt. We have a great, great guest today. Uh, we got Chris Meadows. He's a coach, heavy into player development, as I said early, earlier, coaching and developing players uh, to get to the college and pro levels, and that's girls and boys. Uh, he's he's out of Harrisburg, North Carolina. Uh, he has a daughter playing Division One basketball. Who he had, I'm sure he had a lot to do with that. Most importantly, recently he's the author of a book, I Am D One, which all kids uh, who are trying to get that level and their parents should should pick up and and cop a copy of that and read that so they can navigate um, the AAU world. Uh, but once again, Chris Meadows, thank you for joining us. Right, you're welcome, man. It's my pleasure to be on here with, with you and Khalid. I, man, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's, let's just start from the beginning in terms of how you got into to, to wanting to coach and develop kids as far as basketball is concerned. What's, what's your background in basketball? I assume you, you, you built a love for it early on as kids like we did. So just tell us your background. Yeah, to, to put it politely, right? <laughs> uh, uh, built the love man I grew up in Phoenix Arizona and you played every sport like my father you know was was older so he was in the baseball so I grew up on the baseball field with him practicing his teams and going to the boys and girls club early so I played a lot of basketball and, and then got started in Pop Warner played football and you know you name it man but as I got older I don't know, something about the game of basketball, man. You could do a year-round. You didn't need a uniform or helmet or, you know, you could go outside at school and, you know, lunch and recess. And and then I had older brothers, and they played too. You know, they played all sports. But in the neighborhood, you know, I can just remember just going in the front yard and going to, you know, your friend's house. The next thing you know, it's a game of 21. You, you know, you're eight, nine years old. you just outside playing all day and – and it was nothing like being able to control it. Like, you, you know, you were your own person. So, um, you know, back then I went to the boys club at like eight or nine years old, started playing. And, you know, you start to get praise a little bit because, you know, you people think you're pretty good at it. And it just came to a point to where I was playing both basketball and football. And I was really pretty decent at both. You know, one of the better players in our state. But at some point, man, I, I my friends all chose football and they played in the NFL and mm-hmm. and I chose basketball. And I was probably honestly looking back better at football, but yeah. I was in love with basketball. So but our, our 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 network was so competitive. We were so now looking back advanced. We never thought about what level we would play at. We always knew it was going to be a high level. So um you know, it was just one of those things where I just built a love for just playing, you know, every day. And 
And then my older brothers and I saw like their friends and all the people from the neighborhood and they ended up being some of the best in the country. I can remember being young watching Stevie Coulter play. He was the point guard with the Bulls when Michael Jordan first got there. Mm. You know, he, he was close friends with my older brother. Like I saw guys like that and it was like, man, I'm getting ready to elevate this thing. I'm getting ready to like, it was before the term ball is life, ball was life. Right. <laughs> that's all we did. That's, that's all we did. And growing up, you know, it's funny, man. I um, I played back then. It was called BCI. So New York Gauchos and Riverside Church. I used, They used to come to Arizona and they were playing this huge national event. And that's when I met Kenny Anderson. Um, I met Malik Seeley. Like all those guys, Brian Reese, Adrian Autry, and and I can remember we played them one time. I was a freshman, and I just remember back then it was like Street and Smith was the thing. It right, wasn't YouTube, right, right. you know. And so I was in Street and Smith from Arizona. So I, you know, I saw Kenny and all those guys, and I'm like, man, they used to have this coach named Julius Edwards. He was like mean. He used to just scream from New York Riverside. And I can remember thinking, like, I just can't wait to play this game. So we played them. It was a really tough game, went down to the wire, and they pulled it out, maybe overtime or something. I just remember he hugged me, and he was like, if you ever come to New York, you can play for me. And uh, that, that to me, was like validation because they used to just spread you out and go one-on-one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was just a love in my heart from day one, the game of basketball. Yeah, you just mentioned some guys that were like legends when I was, because I was a freshman when they were, I think, talent time was going on at that time with Brian, um, with, uh, 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 was it Reese? Yeah, I think it was Derek, uh, Derek Phelps was at Christ the King. Christ the King, yeah. Yeah, so Red Autry was at talent time. Yeah, with Reese, I think it was him and Reese. Yeah, yeah, and Kenny Anderson and Malloy. So that was, that was a hell of a, that was a hell of an era in New York City. So those are some names. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mashburn, you got those. Yeah, Mashburn and Cardinal Hayes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to go against all those guys, man. And it was just, um, you know, it was just what you live for. It's what you woke up to do every day. Like, no right. one ever had to my, – my father had to work. You know, I had six sisters, three brothers. So he wasn't concerned about if I was getting to a workout or practice. That wasn't – he was trying to take care of the family. So I was the one, man. I would, you, you know, that was just on us back then. It wasn't a family thing. Things have certainly changed now. <laughs> Tell it, telling me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah. But, so, so did you play in college? I, I did. I did. I actually, you know, that's one of my reasons for being so passionate about helping young people. I was highly recruited out of high school. Um, I actually was recruited by a lot of schools in the East because I really wanted to come back East. And um, but it was a first year. Like I, I, I was never a bad student. Like school wasn't difficult for me, but I didn't have the discipline. Right. So it was the first year of Prop 48. So I had to go JUCO. Mm -hmm. And um, like it was a year, Larry Johnson, I, we were all in the class 87. And um, so I went JUCO and then I came back out and went to New, went to school in New York at St. Bonaventure University. That's okay. where I played. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So fast forward, fast forward a little bit. Um, and, you know, we were talking about you coaching and, getting involved in player development. And you kind of hinted at it just now in terms of, you know, wanting to give some kids some direction that maybe we didn't have uh, when we were younger. Um, so what was that transition like in terms of, in terms of, you know, developing talent, working with kids, that type of thing? You know, I think honestly being a point guard, 
like I've always been when I was in high school, I was helping with younger players. Like I would go help coaches who had younger teams. And like I was a student of the game. I didn't realize it back then. But like back in the day, man, you didn't have ESPN when I was really young. So like even in the championship, I used to have to stay up and wait, watch games to tape delay after the news back in the day. You know, like so so I was like a junkie. Like Isaiah Thomas and those guys were like to just mimic everything they did. So when I graduated, my thing was there were there were times when I really not in an arrogant way, but I realized that I knew a little more than some of my coaches like back in high school. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, these are things that I wish I would have known. So when I graduated, we lived in a small town in Western New York, you know, Jamestown. And um, I started a program up there. You know, it was the Western New York shooting star. So I started a travel program and these kids could play, but they were tucked away. Nobody ever really heard of a lot of these kids. They were like a small rural town. Mm. And I'm like, man, these kids, you know, all they need is somebody to really give them some, some energy and give them exposure. So we just started getting in the gym. I was able to build a network. And I, my whole purpose was to take these guys. And I always my thing was to build your mindset. Like if I could build the confidence in that killer mentality, so it wouldn't matter where they played. And um, the skill development part was something I lived, like it was what I breathed. And so that was never about me watching YouTube or anything. It was about me really taking the, the, the skill set I thought was important that could help you get over the top and like really just being aggressive with it like every day, like just be finding kids who love the game. Like I didn't really want to work with kids who just like it because that was a hobby. It wasn't a hobby for me. Right. So and my thing was to connect with parents and families who understood it. And man, we just built out. I started just building, just building a platform that was expanding while we were in Western New York and helping kids get, get scholarships, you know? So that's what my, my whole purpose was from the debt, from the jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, I'm hearing a lot of like similarities in, in what I've done here in Brooklyn and in, in your, in your story. I'm so almost like I'm listening <laughs> to myself right now, man. So kudos <laughs> to you for that, man. Cause I know what it takes to build a program from the ground and getting parents to buy in and, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, and to do it in Western New York had to be, you know, a, a, not an easy sell, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just was blessed to have good parents and they trusted me and, and I valued their trust. And, and they saw it like, like I was never one that was in it for anything other than the kids. Like, even when I came here, some of the parents who made decisions to take their, their, you know, their kids to other programs and do different things, you'd be surprised. Like, I always maintain great relationships with the kids because the parents know I always did right by them. Right. And almost a hundred percent of anybody that ever left, they always, even if they didn't come back to the program later on in years, they were like, man, my, my son and my daughter still said that was the best experience they ever had. Right. Cause they didn't, the parent didn't understand it at the time. They didn't understand the whole process. So, right. Yeah. And what, what were the programs that you were running in New York and now? In New York, it was the Western New York shooting stars. So we had a lot of kids from Jamestown, Erie, Pennsylvania, surroundings like smaller towns and from Buffalo. Mm. So, you know, we built it just right there in that little, you know, next to Lake Erie, up in that area right there. And man, we traveled and played Bob Gibbons. And the funny thing about it, 
one of my boys that I played with in college, he was a he was a coach at the time. And he had became a coach at Kent State. They made that run where they went to the tournament two or three straight years. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at my team like, man, he came to watch. We was playing against all the like Connecticut Select, all the big name schools, um, cities. But we were winning. We went to the Final Four in every single event. And and I had one of my post players. He was tall, but he wasn't really a post. He was six nine. Justin Miller he played at Siena. And um, but we just had like guards and wings besides him. But man, they were just prepared. And so all those kids ended up getting scholarships, um, D1s and twos. But he would be like, I don't know how y'all doing it. Because ignorance was bliss. I didn't know that those teams were supposed to be like that. Right. Because <laughs> you know? I'm in Western New York. Right. So we're playing in these games. And I remember one tournament, man, <laughs> me and my team, we looked at each other, just busted out laughing. It was like, y'all would know the guys if we went back. If I could tell you the names, you would know, because they, right. they they were upper-level D1. They came to the game late, so we started. And, I mean, talented. Man, one time, this dude, he just took the ball and jumped over my point guard and dunked it on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the relationship I had with my players, we looked at each other like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. I mean, we won the game, but, I mean, that's the kind of athletes we were beating. There's right. no way we should have been beating those teams. They wasn't as prepared as we were. But, I mean, that dude probably was in the league, man. Like, he – you know, we played teams like that, and my boys that was coaching the college, they'd be like, I don't know how you're doing it. You know, like <laughs> – <laughs> And plus, they knew who to go – who those guys were. Right. They was recruiting <laughs> the guys we were beating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about in, in Carolina? What did – what were you – In Carolina, when I first got here, I was with uh, – their EYBL program now. They were – they were like um, the Celtics then. Now they're the um, Team United. They used to be United Celtics. So they're EYBL. I was with them. And um, and then I moved over with Jeff. He runs Team Charlotte. Uh, Jeff McGinnis used to play with, um, you know, play in the league and stuff. Yeah. He runs Team Charlotte. And they're, they're one of the – probably the top team on the Under Armour circuit. Mm-hmm. So I was part of the first group that started that first year, first year or two. And um, I coached the middle school group because I had a son, but I did player development for the program. Okay. Um, so he had all the the older guys. So I was with them. Um, and then I transitioned out. I opened up my own facility and then I moved to the girls' side. I still did player development with the boys, but I moved to the girls' side because my daughter was coming along and she wanted to play. So I was like, okay, I'll help you out. And what is your like player development like, what is that? What does that consist of? Like, what are the, some of the things, some of the ingredients you put into, you know, developing a player? You know, I take that very seriously. So I actually developed what was called like a curriculum, you know, that so it was a method to it. So if they were young kids, we, we really focused on a, a comprehensive skill set that always was paired with IQ. How do I use this? Mm. You know, so I didn't always want to be like with the youngest like five-year-olds but I would come in with like third fourth fifth sixth and we build up what I would call dominant skill set so I want to make sure you we develop both hands equally so you know you you're being pressured trapped didn't matter what size what position you can handle that and I always talked about four C's and they're part of the D1 mindset so it was all about compete you had to compete and then you had to be consistent with that and if you were competing consistently I felt like that's what led to your confidence and after you compete consistently with anything you do confidence comes 
And then after you become confident, you become composed. And I think that's what you're seeing now with like a Trey Young and all these guys. They're just so composed. So I I had what I call like a a teaching phase, the first part of the workout. Like we introduce, we teach, and then we rep. We have a rep or we have what we call a, a competitive phase. Once we teach it, we rep it. You know, we really rep it. It was always progressive. And then we would compete it. So we're doing, um, if I'm teaching how to play without the ball and to be shot ready, like teaching your mind to be aggressive, because you're at the pro level, you don't pass up open shots because you shrink the floor. So you got to keep it spaced. So I'm teaching young kids a way to play this. A lot of times our coaches didn't really approve of, but it was next level mentality. So you can't control really good players. You got to empower them. So I'm teaching how to play without the ball. And then we would compete like that. So you might start it with a kick to me or at the top, and I may give you two to three um, areas on how to move to get open without the ball so you're not taking pictures. And then what to do if you got space when you catch it, if you're jammed when you catch it. And then we competed that. So now these kids could actually play even without the ball or if it was off the dribble. So once we talk, we rep, we, we applied it in situational, then we competed. And that's how every session was. We had those phases of training. And then some days it was just, if, if they came back for a second session or if it was like a Saturday morning, Saturday morning sessions are always, if you've been with me during the week, they would always be shooting, like exclusively like the kids from Europe can shoot. So we're going to shoot off the dribble first. I mean, off the catch first, just, you know, just pocket okay. to delivery. Right. Like we do a lot. We rep that really high. Like, I mean, just so that you just get those mechanics good. And then we start introducing off the bounce, you know, and then after we go off the bounce, we go transition pull-ups because I think that's the best shot in basketball, but you got to be confident to do it. And then we played. Like, I feel like you have to play. Hmm. Like, you have to play or else it's like right. teaching something in isolation is never really applied. Right. So, so my training model was something that, you know, I don't like to say a lot, but I don't think I ever had one player that didn't elevate their their performance, like, and even quickly. Mm-hmm. And so my training, when I was exclusively training, it blew up really quick. Like, it was like, boom. So I had to get a facility. We had a wood floor. We had hoops. Like, we had a parent lounge. Like, it was something that I was, I was, like, passionate about. Because it led to scholarships, it led to changing lives, and and parents they they bought in, like they didn't mind to the to pay, you know, all the financial parts because they saw it was like getting your kid a tutor for school. It was like it was a return on the investment. So, um, you know, that's something that um, I think is always going to be in me. Like once I even even with the book, I get away from it a little bit, but I'm still connected. Like tonight, I have um, I have to go speak. And I'm going to do a 70, 75 minute session with middle school kids. They asked me to come in. And, um, but once I get out there, I like the switch flips quickly and it's like, I'm totally immersed. So I don't think I'll ever be far away from it. Yeah. Right. I want to definitely going to get into that book in a second. But first of all, I wish, I wish, I wish I had a great coaching when I was younger. That's all I can say. You're making me sad right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but, um, you, you mentioned before you went to before we get to the book. You mentioned before that you you were, you know you went to you played for St. Bonnie's. Um, so if I'm correct, 
That's the that's Atlantic Ten. So you so you played against uh, uh, Cheney a couple times a year. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I played against John Cheney. Yep, I, was, and also Calipari. Oh, Calipari. Yeah, yep. he was at UMass. That's right. right. Um, I can remember there was a little hiding spot in the Riley Center where we played our games, so you could watch the opposing team practice. Like it was a little hiding spot, so I would go up there. And I'll never forget, man, I thought, like, man, I would love to play for a head coach. My assistant coach was cool, but I would love to play for a head coach. He came in with those guys, like Lou Rowe and them. And um, he was going through, like, the shooting drills and stuff. Like, he was, like, young and, you know, he just had this swagger about him, man. And I was like, you think about how he took them from obscurity to, like, going to Final Fours. You could kind of see, like, that rubs off, that kind of confidence. And that's what... I saw early, you know, that he was a special coach because just the, the confidence that he exuded, you know, how can you not play with confidence when you got a coach who kind of just breathes it into you like that? Right. Um, so, yeah, he was special. And then I played – my first game was against Mark Macon. I don't know if you remember that name. I remember Mark Macon, absolutely. I had to guard him. He was a 6'5 right. PG, you know. And, right. You know, I'm like, man, this dude, you know, he – um it was interesting. He kind of, even when he went off the ball, he kind of ran the, ran the point, ran the team from off the ball. He was telling what plays to run. And wow. So, yeah, I, um, that was like my first go round. And then he had a point guard. Y'all might know from, from um, Camden. His name was Vic Carstarf. Um, he went to Iowa and transferred back there. Um, so yeah, that was, the 18 was really good. They, we had seven teams make the tournament yeah. that year. Yeah. Temple used to be like the elite eight every year. Temple, West Virginia was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Rutgers had the transfers from um, Syracuse, Keith Hughes and Earl Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to the Sweet 16. Um, Penn State was good. Um, I'm trying to think. It was like, is, that when, oh, is that when UMass had Camby? He came in the following year after I finished. Okay. He came. He talked. They went to the Final Four with him, right? Right. I believe yeah. so. Yeah, like, they were going deep before they got him, but he took it to a whole another level. That's right. Like you said, right. Lou Rowe and like Padilla. Yeah. The guards. Yeah. 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 He took it to a whole. Oh, St. Joe's was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They had what's his name? He came a few years after me, the little point guard, uh, Stocky. Nelson. Oh, they went to uh, Orlando. Jameer. Yeah. Jameer. Jameer Nelson. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what's his name? Delano, Delani West played with LeBron. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they they were they were a final four team too. So yeah, the A10 was tough. Like yeah, went too many nights off. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So so the book, um, I am D1, right? Uh what what you gotta made, have them show it, man. You have gotta, you know it, and after we finish the show, copy. you after you we finish the show, you make sure that you give me we connect you give me your address. Absolutely, okay. thank you. Um, I meant to make sure you guys had a, a, your copy before the show, but this is it. Yeah, yeah this is it right here. Yes, yes. What, what what made you write that? For how long did you feel like you wanted to write that, and what went into it? Well, I would say every single night when I got home from doing player development, and this is this was not too long ago. I was still I would teach. You know, I was a teacher, special education teacher, and so um, but I did player development in the evenings. Um, and when I would get home, I would spend at least 30 minutes in my garage with parents. They would call, you know, ask me questions. 
And every night, my wife, after about 20 minutes, she'd poke her head out the door. Are you coming in? One night, she was like, you need to just write a book. She said, you're giving all this advice to parents, and it's just one parent every night. Like, you need to write a book that people can go, and they all have the same questions. And um, I thought about it. And, um, you know, I put some really deep thought in it. First, it was going to be about fathers coaching their daughters. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I do so much player development with guys. And they all want the same thing. They want to play at the highest level. But a lot of parents, their parents, they don't understand what to do, how to get there, and what really, what camp is important. How do you select a good travel program? Is this trainer the right trainer? Like, they had a lot of questions. And so when I put it together, I would say it's got to be, it's not going to be a recruiting guy, not doing that. I said, world don't need another book about recruiting and guide and all this. You can go online and find the dates when the coaches come out. You don't need a book for that. Right. So I was like, I got to develop topics that's going to make somebody, when they read the topic, they say, I got to read that. So my, even my chapters in my book are different. Like when I walk into places where I do book signings or events where I'm going to be doing a book signing, like I was in Atlanta you, you about a month ago, one father walked up to me, grabbed my shoulder he said, hey, I was like, you know, what's up? You know, I didn't know him. He said, man, I read chapter eight. He said it changed my life. He just kept walking. <laughs> like, and and I, I've been getting a lot of that, you know, so I just thank God because I, my whole purpose really is it's not about me. But if I can give parents meaning behind it and I, I've seen marriages end up in divorce. I've seen families like this whole travel basketball thing will chew you up. Like, oh, man, people, people you get, know what I'm talking about. Divorced over this? What's that? People getting divorced out here over this? Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, if you don't understand it, like, think about it. I played it. I coached it. I've been a trainer. And I was a, I'm was. i a parent. And I've been a consultant. And my daughter still transferred after her freshman year. Right. Like, it's a lot that goes into it. Like, there were many nights when my wife would call me, no joke in the gym at 2 a.m. with my daughter. And she's like, you okay? You know, Courtney, all right? And I'm like, she's my daughter too. You know, like she with her dad. And we, I'm like, we, we trying to, you know, I'm trying to make get these mechanics right. Like, right. we're not leaving until you get it right. You know, and it has to come a fine line. When you say you want something, then you got to be willing to prepare at that level. It's, I mean, it's only so many people that can do play at that level. And you're 5'3", yeah. or you're a guy, you're 5'10". You can't just be fast. Like you've got to have some things that separate you. That's right. And and if you're not willing to put that kind of work in, it's a dream. It's not really even a, a pursuit. Right. right. So a lot of families, like I get, you'd be shocked how many DMs I get every day from parents. Like, you know, one mom, she started crying. She was talking to me when I was at the last event and she just didn't know if what she was doing was right. You think about it, like that's your child. You're investing, like you're traveling with them. You're, their heart is in it. So I wanted this book to be a trusted guide. It's not, I don't have all the answers, but what I do is I give you choices within choices. Like you're going down the right road if you're considering this. And this is probably some things that have worked, but I've seen people sacrifice every value they have to be in a certain program that was a total opposite of what they valued as a family. You don't have to do that. Right. You don't have to do it. And if you do, and your kid don't do it young, if your kid is older, going playing 17U and they're rising junior or rising senior, and just teach, talk to them ahead of time. Hey, 
we don't have the same values, but after practice, after games, we out. Like, this is just a platform for exposure. Like, I know a lot of dudes playing the NBA who was on teams like that. Their fathers were nice with everybody, but they knew they weren't going to be doing certain things after practice in the parking lot. They were out. Right, right. You know, and, and that was just business decision. And the kid understood it. And that he didn't stay in the hotel with them on the road. Like, he just did what he had to do. So, but it, I wanted it to be a, a resource that would stand. Now, obviously, it would have to be updated because things change a lot. But, but I wanted parents to say, you know what, this makes sense. Like this, this is something we can trust. And and that's to this point, that's what I've been getting. What are some of some of like the basic uh, tenets like that you feel like? parents and kids should know you already gave one obviously the hard work um that you have to put into it but what are some of the, like some basic tenets of your book mentality wise that you need to have first of all i, I told every family you got to have a plan you can't go into this thing without a plan like if your son or your daughter really wants to play at a high level and they're young you got to formulate a plan what what is the long-term goal so when kids start getting offers or this kid starts getting ranked you don't have to jump ship. You don't have to get nervous and get antsy because you know you have a plan. And then also revisit that plan every August when, when the season, travel season ends. Is this the right program? Are we progressing? Like you need to revisit that. And, and that should guide you. And then after making formulating a plan, I really believe that you have to understand that your, your job is going to be rewarded over years. Like, I have a young man I, I started working with, no lie. I could show y'all a video right now. You would crack up. And it's some, it's some pretty – it's some things that are going to be on the horizon that I'm just – that have been put in front of me that could really change things globally through this book that's coming my way. But I could show you a clip of a kid. He was seven years old. And I started working with him at seven. And he's special. He's probably going to be a pro if he doesn't get injured. And he's a rising junior this year. He was frustrated because he wasn't getting a lot of love. And he had been torching the top players in his, in his position. I mean, torching. I got videos and people have been seeing him. And I don't want to mention his name, but people know him now. And this week, they were just allowed to start receiving phone calls, I think, on Wednesday. Right. Uh, I think it was the right. middle of the week. Correct. He's gotten a bunch of major offers and mid-level and before this phone call started, me and him were talking. He hit me last week. He said, you, you're available? It's like 11 o'clock at night. And so any of my young players reach out, I'm going to call. Because I, I, I remember being in that. So we just talked. He was like, yeah, Coach Chris, man, I'm just, you know, I don't know what else I got to do, man. What, why aren't they? And I told him, I said, man, you know, I said, God has a plan for you. I said, and just remember, it's not where you are now. I saw all the elite guards, man. They didn't really get that love in this. You know, I talked to him about Lillard you know, CJ McCollum, you know, I talked to him about Westbrook. I talked to him about, you know, even um, Steph. And I said, you know, man, sometimes it's all about who's calling for you. You know, I said, but they can't deny what you do. And sure enough, even today, you got some more. Like, and the kid to me, like I was at the McDonald's camp working at with um, Joe Wooten in Dallas. He's second to none. Like he's special. But my whole point through the book was I want parents to understand it's a marathon. Mm. Like literally, don't 
don't get caught up in who got the most offers or when they're in middle school. Don't get caught up in who's ranked in the top 100. I just looked at a um, I just looked at a clip from one of those old blue ribbons from back in the days. Blue ribbon. <laughs> and, and I saw they had the top 50 players. It was it was 93, I think. Jawan Howard was like number one at the ABCD camp. Used to be in Hackensack. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there. And, and I used to go there too. And I was looking at half those guys. I never, you don't even know them. They were in the top 50. Right. So my thing to parents, go ahead. Yeah, you can go back shorter than that. Sometimes I look at like old rankings from like 2010. So I try to encourage parents about if you're doing the right thing and players, just, just stay, run your own race. Like literally run your race. And I promise you in the end, no one can sign before November of your senior year. Right. So that a lot of parents say, you know, you just calm my whole spirit because I was so anxious. Like these rankings and stuff, they're good. They're cool. But you want to be built to last when it's time to stand. Right. And so if you do it the right way. You know, like I tell them, for example, I have player. This player played on Boo Williams team, never started. They went over to Boo there last year, never started a game. And I was at some of them. Um, it was like the second player off the bench, second or third, but just finished the career in the SEC. Um, would have been player of the tournament, but they lost um, the game before the finals. Um, number one player in the country was on that team too at the time in high school. But if you're on a great program and you're not a starter, but you're you're developing and you're growing, and you know they know it's a great program, why would you go play for a lesser team? be the man and then no one's at your games and then you don't play elite competition and then you don't get what you deserve. So trying to help parents figure it out, like, you know, it's not about all the accolades now. It's about, are you being prepared to excel later? Right. Um, So that's, that's a big theme in the book. That's a big part of it is working. And then I have a chapter that people, a couple of chapters they talk about. One is called the ride home. (laughs) And that one is um, often talked about because I tell them at the end, I, like I can't read that chapter since I wrote it because really? I, I, it gets a little hard because I, I think I was a little overboard. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand it when my kids were younger and I thought their bad play was always a reflection of me. It had nothing to do with me. And I didn't figure it out till my daughter got older. And then that's when I think she really, her confidence just soared because it was like, and we don't care about a bad game. You know, that happens. We're just going to grow from it and get better. And when I started building her up like that, she started to really be just the mentality just flipped instead of thinking I was going to be critical after every game. Right. And a lot of parents, you know, they struggle with that. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I, I didn't read your book, but that chapter, just hearing you talk about that right there resonates. Because I know, I'm not going to call out any names, but I know some parents in particular that live vicariously through their children. And, and I, I, you know, they literally coach every moment of that kid's game. Like at a certain point, it becomes overwhelming. And I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, you almost make your son or daughter a robot when you're doing that, you know, and they, you know, the game is instinctive and reactionary. Wow. You wow. know, so I, I've seen that and that, that ride home, 
a lot of parents from from what I've heard don't know how to separate. Okay, I'm parent now. Time to support. Right. You know. Yeah. Sometimes, man, they just um, they they need they need especially when they know they didn't play well. They need to just know, even if it's a dude, man. Like some fathers think, you know, like they gotta be. But man, you can really build a player's confidence by, like we always say to them, don't get stuck on one play, next play mentality. But as parents, we have the tendency to get stuck on a game, you know? <laughs> and so we contradict what we're telling them. Right. But just think about you. If you do something bad and somebody comes up that you respect and care and say, man, don't worry about that. You know, you got another one tomorrow or, you know, like, man, you know, you'll never play that bad again. Or man, all you had to do was figure this out and it was fine. Like, like, what does that do for you? Like, so imagine a kid. Right. Then all of a sudden they want your feedback from a game. Like you, you right. actually, your relationship gets better. And then you, you know, you build them up next time you see that team, you're going to rip them. Like, don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll watch the video later. We'll correct that stuff. You know, you help them like that. You build up a very confident individual. I agree. And, right. and parents, like you said, they live vicariously. And, and I, and I seen that, I seen some parents do some stuff. I was never like crazy. Um, you know, but I was too critical, you know, you can't do that over time, but I seen parents use profanity, like go off, you know, it's like, man, you, you, what you're doing long-term is not going to be good. Yeah. So the ride home has been a, <laughs> I've, I've been in like classroom sessions and, and, and I've seen players just turn to their parents and be like, you need to read that. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, the coach, you know, I've, I've been a high school coach and, uh, you know, parents coaching them from the sidelines. I was I was looking at it. Part of it. I mean, a huge part of the game for kids is one, like you said, bad games and all that stuff is part of the game. It's part of sports. you got to learn how to how to deal with that like properly. And then on, on top of it, the coaching stuff, coaching is part of the game. So you got to You have to learn how to to be coached by different people. You know what I'm saying? So it's not you, you coaching your kid is not, is not helpful at all because you're not always going to be there period. So, yeah, you, you're right. Like even now, um, my daughter has bad games and I see some things. I'm like, well, she knew better than that. We prepared for that years ago, but I've learned to really, I think I've matured. So now it's like, it's all good. You know, We'll talk about it later. We don't have to really go into it right now. I give her a hug if I'm waiting there. You know, like they lost to UConn in the tournament and she played really, really, really well. And she was upset because she felt like they should have competed better as a team. But I was all about praise because I'm like, this moment you're going to never forget in your life. You know, you right. it's the bubble year. Everybody in the whole tournament's in San Antonio. Like, let's just enjoy this moment. You know, like just, you know, whatever – your issues are, we're going to just enjoy this moment because when you 20 years from now, you're going to play, you know, it's the game Gino didn't even coach. He had COVID. Right. Like, you know, this is a history moment. So, you know, I think as parents, when we can step back and see, like, we can really help our kids be more successful if we change our frame of thought. Like, you got to trust your training. If you're helping them with training and player development, you got to trust that. That's right. You can't be in games. Like, just, like, even when I talk, now my daughter will be in games and she'll look over at me and, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, like, I know, like, I just want you to be engaged right now. Like, totally be engaged because, you know, things are happening so fast. You need to be in the moment. Right. So, you know, but I, I wanted this book to really just, I put my heart into it. 
because people say, man, it's not that long. My thing is, you're not going to read something that's too long. Right. Like, even my editor was like, you want to add more? I was like, no, I don't want to add. You got to know your audience. Like, none of us have this abundance of time to sit and read a 400-page book. So the, the biggest compliment I've gotten is many parents and players have said they read it twice. That's the biggest compliment. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, that's so I'd much rather for it to be read than to sit on your counter or table and look good and not read it. Because if it's too thick, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to pick it up. <laughs> right. So t- tell us where we can get it and all that good stuff. Um, you can get it directly on our website, imd1thebook.com. Um, that's imd1thebook.com. And also through Amazon. And it's the number one new release on Amazon. So we were very wow. thankful Congratulations. for that. Congratulations. Congratulations. And, Thank and, you. And, and, and Chris, like, I t- you know, Jamal and me, Jamal helped me edit my, my book. I told you I've been. Yeah, I, I want and I appreciate, I just want to tell you that, you know, I just feel so great that you came on and, and that, you know, that you're putting your word out. Cause I know what it means to write a book, like people telling you to continuously write a book and to actually do it is a, is a big deal. So I just want to tell you, you know, from brother to brother, congratulations. And we wish you, you know, ultimate success, brother. Cause I know from what I'm hearing it is, it, it's, it's, it's it's going to be beneficial for a lot of people, man. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, and please make sure you, when we finish this, you know, send me your address. I'll make sure it gets out. Absolutely. Um, I'll have someone get it out today. And um, also, man, we talked about before we went on, I want to just give you two a shout because this has not been going on for that long. And the coverage you guys have and the topics and people you have brought on your show I mean, it's just a testament to what happens when when you lock in. Like, I mean, you're doing a great, you're providing a great platform for a lot of people, but also educating them. Because one thing I never want to downplay, this game is way more than a game. It's changing our community. That's right. I mean, you think about what LeBron has done for our community all through the root source of basketball. Right. You think about Jalen Rose starting a charter school all through basketball. Right. Think about all the young people that just graduated last month from college through basketball. So what you're doing is, to me, it's just, um, it's priceless, man. I, I really appreciate it and value it. And I hope everybody else, when they're downloading and they're driving and they're looking to listen to a podcast, you know, make sure they get, you know, you guys a podcast, man, because it's, it's valuable information. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Before I let you go, I have a uh, six-year-old about to turn seven. Um, give me some quick, give me some quick tips. I, I took him to, to the Nets game. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he's hype on basketball. Wants to practice every day. So give me, give me some quick tips how to handle that. I'm so sure that Khalid could tell you this too, man. Let him have fun, man. Yeah. Just right now, let him just compete and build a love for it. Like we have a lot of players today that train and never play pickup. I'm like. You, that's what the love is, being in the park and, wow. and you know you can't lose because if you got next, you're going to wait three hours. Like, they never had that experience. Like, wow, that's where love comes from. So let them have fun. And if it's one thing you teach from day one, do it fun, but teach him how to shoot right. That's right. right. <laughs> teach him how to shoot. All my boys that got young kids or sons or daughters, they make it fun, but they just, they, they start to weave it in there slowly like the mechanics. Make sure that form is right. 
Right. Even if it's just, we're going to play a game and you know, just shoot it one hand for now and you know, keep the guy in. Like, man, if you can raise a shooter and they, you can add all the other stuff, but what's hard to correct bad mechanics? That's right. That's right. right. I'm still trying to correct mine, man. So I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I got that old Tim Hardaway knuckleball. <laughs> yeah. well, th thanks a lot, man. This was this was tremendous. Uh, really appreciate it. Of course, uh, once again, it's been Chris Meadows, author of IMD1. Please go check that out. Go read that, you know, twice if you have to. A lot of jewels in there, no doubt about it. Um, out in Harrisburg, North Carolina. Really appreciate it and hope we get you on again. Thank you, Chris. Uh, man, thank you guys. I really appreciate it, man. And much success to you both. Same to you, brother. Thank you. All man. right. Okay. All right. All right. Good stuff, man. That was great. That, that was, was great. great. Yes. 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 The brother was very informative. Um, you know, he, he, he you know, I, I learned a lot just from his four C's and, you know, how he, yeah. you know, constructs his player development program. So, you know, uh, and I, I didn't get to see him. I mean, I got to see him at Made Hoops camp but I didn't get to introduce myself. So I'm very, um, you know, humbled and gracious that, you know, he, he accepted our invitation, you know, through um, DM and Instagram onto our podcast. And, you know, he was lights out, man. We're so happy to have him. Yeah, no, he gave us, he gave us a, you know, book's worth of jewels just, just from the podcast. Yes, sir. So, uh, I'm sure listeners uh, could learn a lot just from this conversation. I, I know I learned a lot. So, um, no, that was great. Hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll get him back on here because because things keep changing, and like That's you said, right. we'll probably add to you know he's gonna have to come up with a second edition to that That's book. Right. Mm. That's right. That's right. That was great. So th thanks to everybody uh, supporting us and following us. Uh, keep following us on Instagram, of course, at Up Next Pod on Twitter at Up Next underscore Pod on YouTube Up Next Pod. Um, you know, subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're up there. Uh, and we'll be back next week with, you know, another great conversation. Picking up them pieces, ain't no limits in the sky. Uh, said you got up next, but gon' show them why. Uh, one, two, that's a three. Now take your shot, ball player. Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold, that's a flex. Uh, Kylie Green, got me a scally before he left. Uh, Joe Cash, something like dollars on the check.